One of the things that we decided right off the bat when we started this podcast was we would not let just anybody sponsor us. To get on here and be a sponsor, you have to share the same values and you have to have the same heart uh, as we do. And you have to be providing something that's very important to us. And coffee is very important to us. And that's why we've been very happy to have Juniper Mountain Trading Post Coffee as our personal sponsors here on the channel. They're the company that provides all the coffee for the school. It's the coffee that we drink personally at home. And, uh, and we're very, very happy. They're a family-owned company that does everything themselves. And they have the same standards and the same heart that we do. So if you're looking for a, a quality coffee company, uh, go to junipermountaincoffee.com. And when you check out, make sure that you plug in and type in Dry Creek, all one word, for a 10% discount. Good morning. Uh, Dwayne here, Dry Creek Wrangler Podcast. And appreciate you joining me on this. And, uh, and I'm glad you're along to uh, walk with me as I head down this, this journey of this whole podcast thing and uh, try to Try to get my feet wet in this and see if we can't uh, see if we can't make this a, a positive journey for both of us. Sitting here this morning out here with my I uh, got a brick house Maduro six by sixty. I've just got lit up and a uh, a new fresh uh, cup of hot black coffee. I got my jaws all oiled and limbered up, so I'm I'm ready to just start flapping my gums. Um, you know, we stop and think about it. Our job is a major part of our life. I think it's a much more a major part of who we are, uh, than we realize. Now on the one side of it, there's the time that it takes. So now if you have a standard nine to five job, um, then you know, so you spend eight hours at work, not counting your lunch break, not counting your, or your, you know, that time, and then plus commute time. And then you look at the time you spend eating, and you look at the time you spend sleeping. There's not a whole lot of time left for you. So just the time that we spend working a job is a major part of our life. But it's not just that. Our job affects, changes, molds who we are. We are changed and formed and molded to a degree by our jobs. And so if you work a job for a couple of years and then you leave that job and go get a new job in a different field, you will go into that new job somewhat formed by the job you just left. All right. It's just, it's just part of it. Um, you, you know, you, if you know any, if you know any law enforcement officers who've been on the job for a while, they kind of have a, they have a different way of looking at things. They have a different way of eyeballing people. <laughs> they have a different, and, and you know, that changes depending on whether they're a, deputy sheriff in, in a remote area or they're, or they're, uh, 
city police officer in a, in a in a large city, you know, it's going to affect differently. Uh, but it's going to affect them. And then when they leave that job, there's a part of that that goes with them. It never goes away. Um, now, some of the change that our job makes is good sometimes, and some of it is not so good. But it can be positive. You know, you can go into a job, and uh, that job, some jobs can teach you an attention to detail that you didn't have before. Or it can teach you to be patient with other people. If you go into customer service and you're not used to that, it, it can teach you to deal with people. Um, you know, so there's, there's good and, and there's positive and negative possibilities. Um, I got my first job when I was 12 years old. I, uh, I went to work one summer for Levy's and Sons Dry Goods Store in Halls, Tennessee. This was my first, this was my first job and I got paid. I mean, I got a paycheck. Um, the first thing they wanted, they hired a couple of us, maybe about three of us, um, kids to clean out the attic. They had a bunch of stuff stored up there and, and it was dirty and they wanted stuff hauled off and junk hauled down and everything. And uh, so they paid us to do that. And I guess I worked well enough because when we got done with that, they came to me and offered me, they wanted me to take uh, flyers, sales flyers, and put one in every house in Halls, Tennessee. Now, Halls wasn't, I don't have any idea what the population was at that time. Uh, this was in 80, 81. I believe it was a small little town. Nice, nice little town. So my dad rigged up a, cardboard box on the handlebars of my bicycle and I would take these flyers and it took days and I'd go around up and down the streets and and give a flyer leave a flyer at every house in Halls Tennessee now that as my first introduction to work that set some precedence for me in my view of what the working life was going to be in my future uh, for one thing, right off the bat, I realized I could get paid for doing something that I love to do. Now you would ask, Dwayne, what was there about that that a kid would love to do? What kid does not love riding his bicycle free and easy up and down the streets of his hometown in the summertime and get paid to do it? Um, it was... Uh, and I learned right off the bat, I, I was given the concept immediately that work did not have to be something where I required a babysitter, a supervisor, somebody hanging over my neck. They gave me these things and said, this is what we want you to do. Now go forth and conquer. And so I did it. And so right off the bat, it was clear to me, if they give me a responsibility, and I go and fulfill my responsibility and they leave me alone, that's a good thing. I think I like this. Um, and, and I learned right off the bat that uh, because, I mean, my dad was, was not, my dad worked hard to feed the family and uh, there was no, there was never any extra money around the house. 
So I did not grow up with my parents giving me extra stuff. I mean, I had clothes, I had food, I had a house that I lived in, you know, with, with my folks. Um, I didn't have, of course, there wasn't any, you know, back then, but I didn't have game consoles. I for sure didn't have a cell phone. They didn't buy me Nike tennis shoes and, and that stuff. I mean, I, and so I learned that if I want, if I want extra stuff, then the way to get that is to work and to make the boss happy. Now I learned later on, there are some bosses you can't make happy, but you know, we're starting out. And, uh, so it, it was a good precedent. Now we moved into Dyersburg, Tennessee. And, uh, but I had that, I had that taste. I had already been introduced to that world and, and I wanted it. And, uh, but you know, I had to go to school, but I still wanted, I still wanted that, um, independence, you know, as much independence as you can give a, I think I was 14 by this time. And so we had, we were in a nice quiet neighborhood and we had a lady across the street and, uh, she was an elderly lady, but she was one of these elderly ladies. She was, she was very tall and she just always seemed very fit. She stood very, she walked and stood. Her posture was excellent. She's very straight and uh, she, she walked just fat. She was like a human dynamo. I mean, just very energetic, very, and, uh, and we had, you know, she had seen me on the street and, and whatnot. We had waved. And so one day I walked over to cross to her house and knocked on the door and I just went up, knocked on the door. And when she came door, she knew who I was. And, and I said, would you have any chores around the place that you would like to have done? Is there any work that I, I could do? And she said, well, actually, yes. She had two extremely large magnolia trees, one in the front yard, one in the backyard. She said, I'd like to have all these magnolia leaves raked up. Well, so then I learned my third lesson. My third lesson was not every job is pleasant, but it still has to be done. Uh, I know magnolia trees are the quintessential uh, southern charm, southern gentility, a symbol of, you know, uh, but their leaves are hateful. And so, but I did it. I, it took me, it took me, I don't remember how long. I didn't get it done in a day. It took me two or three days. There were huge trees and they had not been raked in a while. And there were bags and bags and bags of leaves. But I guess she was pleased to my work because she came to me when I was about done with the leaves. And she said, I need my back porch painted. Can you paint a porch? Now I had never painted a porch. But I thought to myself, self, how hard can it be? The paint is in the bucket. The porch is in front of me. There's a brush. You transfer the paint from point A to point B. And I said, sure, I can paint your porch. And uh, so she bought me the paint I needed and a paintbrush. And I went to paint the porch. Now, I did a very thorough job. And I did it neatly. And I was getting paid by the porch, not by the hour. So I took my time to do a very clean job and I didn't throw paint all over everything and splash. And, and uh, so then I learned the next important lesson about work. Just because you've never done it 
doesn't mean you can't do it. And uh, look at it and figure out, yeah, I can do this. And then take the chance and do it. And so I did that. And after a while, she came to me and she said, Dwayne, I have a friend who's retired and she needs somebody to mow her yard. Would you be interested in doing that? And I said, sure. And so what turned out to happen here was there was a club, a bridge club. Now, for folks maybe who are overseas or not familiar, that bridge is a card game. All right. And so these, there was a bridge club made up of predominantly retired school teachers. And some of them had been retired for a long time. Some of these ladies were up in their 80s. Uh, and so they met every week or every other week and played bridge. And so what would happen was they would sit there while they're playing cards and talking. And, and one would say, uh, I, I need someone to trim my rose bushes. And then one of them would say, look, I've got a young man working for me and he's very polite and he does whatever I ask him to do. He does it and word got around and I wound up building by default without trying to build a large landscaping business. Um, I wound up, I had banks, I had uh, motels, I had all this. And it was just by going to one place and saying, hey, do you have some work I can do? And then showing up on time, being clean cut, being polite, being courteous, and working really, really hard. Um, by the time I was, by the time I was, I don't know, 16, I had a vehicle, riding lawnmower, uh, push mower. I had a, an electric weed eater with about, must have been 500 foot of extension cord. Um, and I was making a really good living. And I didn't have to make a living because I was still at home. But I was, I was doing very well. And I didn't contact, except for that one initial lady, all of my customers, I didn't contact any of them. Every one of them came to me via word of mouth. And uh, so that's, uh, that's what I did. And then after a while, like my senior year of high school, and I don't remember what the change had happened. And so I wasn't doing that anymore. And I decided, you know what? I think I saw an advertisement in the paper. They were looking for paper boys. And I said, I haven't done that before. I'm going to try that. And so I got a job delivering newspapers. My senior year of school, the newspaper company would come and drop off. 135 newspapers at the school. And when school was out, I would go out there and some of my friends and my sisters and my mom would help me roll these 135 newspapers, put rubber bands on them, put them in plastic bags if it was raining. Then I would put a huge canvas bag on the front of my bike and, uh, and ride my bike. And I had a big mountain bike by that time and deliver 135 newspapers. Now here's the kicker. When we were done rolling newspapers, my mom and my sisters would get in the van and they would go home. And uh, it was 12 mile out in the country. And I would deliver 135 newspapers and then ride my bike 12 mile home. Next day, my bike would go in the back of the van, we'd go to school and, uh, and then we just 
we just carried on. And you just you develop work habits for for the you know any parents out there who have children coming up and you want to you want to instill in them work ethic and and prepare them from the job world number one you show them by example my dad was a my dad was a very hard worker and he worked a lot of different jobs and and to me that was normal that's what I saw growing up. That was the way the world was. That that's how it was. It wasn't it wasn't a shame to have a job and to work hard. It it was just life. Uh it was just life. We wound up my uh after I graduated high school, we uh, we moved to Kodiak Island, Alaska. And I got a job uh at a fish cannery. We got there during halibut season. Now, I weighed 125 pounds at six foot tall out of high school. And a halibut, the, the ones they call the chickens, the little bitty halibut, weighed 30 pounds. And they went up to over 200 pounds. And so I was way overmatched size-wise, physically-wise. Um, I worked with these two brothers that were from the, I think they were, I think they were from the Philippines, but they were they were bodybuilders. These guys were massive; they were huge, and uh, we had to take these so we had to take these fish that had been frozen and dip them in a briny tank, um, like a swimming pool in the ground, and pull them back out and put them on trays and put them back in the freezer. And so I'm struggling and and uh, wrapping an arm around the frozen tail of the one and the other hand in the hole where the head used to be and trying to hang on to this silly thing that weighed as much as I did. And these brothers would reach over and grab one in each hand and pick them up and take them over and dip them. And what it was to me was just, it wasn't a discouragement. It was a challenge. It's like, you know what? I'm going to keep up with these guys. It was a very unpleasant job. The hours were, because you work during the season, so the hours were, you know, 12 to 15 hours a day, seven days a week until the season was over. And it was exhausting work. Um, but again, I was uh, learning something new, doing something new, doing something that was a challenge to me. And uh, and then I wound up getting a job. There, there's a little Sears store there. So I wound up in the back unloading the trucks and I was in charge of display and uh, shipping and receiving. So again, hard physical work, but I was in the back and the back was mine and it was my responsibility. I had a good boss and she, just as long as I did my job, she left me alone, you know? So over the years, I've had a lot of different jobs, a lot of different jobs. Um, I've done everything from working construction and roofing. Uh, as is mentioned, if you've been on the YouTube channel very much. I, I've been in law enforcement in remote Bush, Alaska. I've cooked. I've waited tables. When you need a job, you need a job. And so I was at a place one time, I'm like, man, I need a job. And I tried to find a job and this couldn't find a job. And this restaurant had a, it was a steakhouse. 
and they had a listing up. They they needed wait staff. And I went in there and I applied for a job. And uh, so I waited tables and wranglers and cowboy boots in a steakhouse and uh, and I made better tips than the waitresses did. Because to me it was just it was just a job. Nothing was personal. Rude customers it wasn't personal. If they didn't leave a tip, it wasn't personal. It was just a job. So you go in and and just just do your best and learn and uh, it was always one of my it's always been one of my things that when I could and there's times when when I I couldn't you know but I always had this deal I want to be by the time I leave here I want to be the best employee in the place um now sometimes I just didn't have the capabilities it turned out the job was way beyond me and I had set my sights too high um, but it's, and I look back now, I look at where I am right now at this moment and what I'm doing with the Wrangler School, with the YouTube channel, uh, with this podcast now. And, and the people who know me are like, Dwayne, what in the world? How in the world have you been able well, I haven't been able. That's the point. It's just years of vastly different jobs have shaped and formed and made me into what I am today. I had a big part of it. There's a lot that goes into that. And it just naturally, you just naturally over time, you naturally fall into that place that you've been formed to fit. But if you go into one job right out of high school and it's drudgery, it's a no-brainer, or it's a lot of brains, but there's no soul to it, and you stay with it because you make good money. Um, then it's 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 just it's totally different. I went, I was cowboying for a ranch in Wyoming. The same guy out of Cody, Wyoming, the owner owned the Mooncrest Ranch and the Rocking M up out of Wapiti, and I worked for that both ranches um but mostly i was up mooncrest and uh, fall was coming on and there wasn't going to be any work for me through the winter so i moved my parents were in alaska and i moved back to alaska uh deanna and i were married at the time and we had my oldest son that was it and my parents were living out in mcgrath a remote alaska village that there was no driving to it you could only fly in and so I went, we went out there and I got a job right away with the Tecusco house hunting lodge, managing the hunting lodge. And I had a great boss. I had a great boss, but the job didn't suit me well. It was, you know, cooking for everybody and, and, and doing the house cleaning and making the beds and, and whatnot. And so I saw a brochure one day that talked about Alaska has a VPSO program, Village Public Safety Officer. And they, you go out to remote villages and, uh, and you're the law enforcement officer out there. And I thought, well, that looks really, really interesting. Because I was bored at, just out of my mind at that hunting lodge. So I asked for an application. I called them and asked for an application. They sent me one. I filled it out and sent it in. About a week later, I got to thinking about that, and I had second thoughts. And so I called them up, 
And I said, look, this is my name, and I sent you an application about a week ago. And they're like, yeah, we got it right here. I said, would you do me a favor and put that in a filing cabinet and file that away somewhere? I've got second thoughts. I'm not sure this is really a direction I want to go. And they said, well, okay, um, but if you change your mind, let me know. Well, I hung up and forgot about it, and a little while later, I got a telephone call from them. And uh, from uh, Chuck Gredigan. That was his name. He was kind of the the uh, supervisor over all the VPSOs in that that uh, in that particular Native Association. And he said, uh, Dwayne, he said, I've been going over your application, and, and I, I would really like to ask you to reconsider. We would really like to consider you for this job. And I said, I have no background whatsoever in law enforcement, in in um, corrections. None of that at all. I mean, my last job before this one was cowboying on a ranch in Wyoming. He said, and that's what intrigues us. That's what we're interested in. He said, we will fly you down and put you in a village that's probably a hundred mile away from anything or anybody. And we need people who can operate without immediate supervision. Now, remember the Levy's and Sun Dry Goods store at 12 years old? There it is. So I don't have any problem with that. So they talked and they talked me into it. And I said, okay, go ahead. Well, they flew me down to King Salmon, Alaska, to the, uh, I don't remember if it was in Naknek or King Salmon, to the Alaska State Trooper office. And uh, when I showed up, it was raining because it always rains in Naknek or King Salmon. So I had my, um, I think they were Olathe, the tall riding hill buckaroo boots. I had my Outback slicker on and my cowboy hat. Wild drag, that's who I was. And so I showed up at the state trooper's office to apply for this law enforcement job, dressed with what I had and who I was. And I spent two days there. They hired me. And uh, they gave me a shirt and a badge, and a PR-24, uh, that's a, a nightstick, and a pair of Smith & Wesson handcuffs with rust on them. Flew me a hundred miles south to a little village called Pilot Point and dropped me off. And we had gone down and talked to the village, of course they had approved it, and the village was a hundred people. And they dropped me off with my stuff. My wife was still back in McGrath waiting for all this to get settled out and then said good luck if we get an opening in the police academy we'll send you and uh bye and they headed back headed back to the bush plane and i said whoa guys whoa wait a minute hold on and they stopped and turned around and i i remember the 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 main guy uh, was a tall, like six foot four, really lean, rangy, redheaded fella. Uh, I want to say he was sergeant, but he, he might have had a higher rank than that. I said, guys, I only know one way to fight. And he looked at me, he said, what's that? And I said, neck, nuts, and knees, man. It's the cowboy. That's all I know. And he looked at me, he said, I have one rule for you. I said, okay. He said, when? He said, if you get in a fight down here by yourself, you do whatever it takes and you win. 
and you'll have the full backing of the Alaska State Troopers. I said, well, I can live with that. And they got on a plane and left. I, I had no law enforcement experience. Um, I had no background and, and I had not, they didn't send me to an academy, um, until I'd been on the job for like four months before the academy opened up and I got sent. And, uh, but it was, it was, remember painting the porch? I think I can do this. I had never done it before, never been trained to do it before, but I think I can do this. So yeah, I'll do this. <coughs> mm, excuse me. Um, Remember the no supervision? Remember the sense of doing what you love? I'm like, man, these guys are going to pay me to live out in Bush, Alaska in a little tiny village. And I've got all this hunting and four-wheeling and everything out here. Remember life. Remember the job does not have to be sitting at a desk behind a computer. You can get paid to do what you love to do. All of this stuff. All of this stuff was instilled in me at 12 years old by my first job. By my first job. You start your children out right. You start them out the right way. Because you're not just giving them the, um, the tools and the opportunity to make good money. And it, you yourself, when you're starting out looking for work, you're not just looking for the means to make enough money to do what needs to be done. You are, um, you are choosing, you are choosing what 50% of your life your day is going to look like your existence and you're choosing you're choosing the teacher that's going to form you if if that makes sense okay your job is not just a means to make money it's it's part of your identity it's part of who you are it's part of what you are it's, it's much more important. It's much more important to um, our, well, I say forming, to our character than, than, we, than we give credit to. Uh, and not just in a moral sense. I mean, there's some jobs that will affect you and change you morally, but it's, it's, much, it's much bigger than that. If 50% of your time on this planet is spent doing something that makes you miserable. And when you're not doing it and being miserable, you're tired. You're so tired and worn out from being miserable that you can't enjoy what little bit of time you have outside of that job. Um, it, it just doesn't, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. Okay, but I don't, I don't have to understand it, but anyhow, so, you know, it goes on, it goes on. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I left, I spent a year down there in that village. Um, and I was, I was actually 
as a shock to me and to the troopers that I worked under, I was successful at it. But I didn't enjoy it. I'm not, and that's the other thing that you have to be aware of. Um, I discovered right away that I just was not wired to be a law enforcement officer. I did not have the temperament for it, did not have the personality for it. Um, but I had the challenge that I was going to succeed before I quit. Before I quit, I was going to be an excellent law enforcement officer. And I graduated from the academy, number two in my class, two-tenths of one percent behind the number one guy. They took my police reports that I were writing and copied them and collated them, stapled them together, and sent them around to the other VPSOs in Bristol Bay as um, manuals on how to properly write a report. But when I sat down to write my reports before I ever went to the academy, I spent hours on them, doing them and redoing them and making them as clean and professional as I could. I said, these troopers are not going to look at the cowboy and say, this is the sloppiest pig we got out here. I'm not going to bring that kind of um, shame to the cowboy world. It, I want to give people the understanding that if you want it done right, send the cowboy to do it. And so I worked very hard at it, and it was something for me to conquer. Uh, and, it, and it affected me. I did not leave that job the same as I went into that job. Not all of it was good. Uh, but it was all what it was. <laughs> so I left that job and went back to Colorado and got a job on a ranch, cowboying down there, and just moved on. And there's been a tons of jobs ever since. Um, and a lot of them, a lot of them not good jobs, but some of them good jobs. But all of them, all of them played their part. They all played their part, and they all were instrumental into forming me into who I am today and to what I'm doing today. Um, when I do the YouTube videos or I do these and I, and I talk about just common sense and trying to get through life, all of that is experience, good and bad. All of that comes from things I have done and things I have seen and things I have seen other people do and things I have failed at, things I have seen other people fail at, Things I have accidentally fallen into and succeeded at. And it's just life and experience. It's just life and experience. And you get very little of that sitting in a cubicle behind a computer for 30 years. All right, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying there's more to life out there. So are you saying, Dwayne, do you not want me to be successful in business? I'm saying I want you to be happy. What is the point of being successful in business if you are one-dimensional and unhappy? And then you die. And what was it for? What was the point? In the end, what was the point? All right? There's more out there to life. And, um, you know, I just like to see more people go out there and actually experience and enjoy life. Okay? So, anyhow, I hope uh, I hope you uh, got a little something out of this. I hope you like it, and uh, so we'll. Uh, I guess we'll sign off here, and we'll catch you guys next time.